Welcome to the Prodigal and the Priest podcast, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. Here are your hosts, Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good night, whoever is listening. Maybe this is their bedtime routine. Who knows? How's it going, Father Paul? It's going good. How yeah. are you doing, Joey? Doing all right. You enjoy your vacation? Yeah, man. I was just uh, scrolling through all the stuff that I have to take care of now that I'm back from vacation. Yeah. Sacraments, check. Yeah, not much. Not that much stuff. <laughs> Apparently, I wasn't missed. <laughs> You were missed. You were missed. Yeah, it was a great vacation, though. Thank you for asking. Are you allowed to divulge where you went, what you did? I think oh, we divulged allowed. a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I I went and I played some golf. We played eight rounds in five days. Whoa. Which was a Lowest lot. score. 81. Mm. Should have broken 80 that day. Um, but it was fun. It was a good chance to get outside for long periods of time. Yeah. Um, in various weather conditions. Nice. And play some pretty bad golf on some pretty beautiful days. Nice courses. Yeah. Nice and cheap courses, too. Yeah. Public courses, munis. Yeah. It was great. Nice. Well, while you were gone, we tried to make do. So I had mm-hmm. my wife. That was good. That was that awesome. Listened. Yeah. Talked about living that life in ministry in the church. Then we had Greg, who you supervise. What do you yeah. think of his question answering? I thought he did a very good job, and he also knew how many wounds Christ had. <laughs> Whatever. Five. He didn't even know, though, they represented that. So I pointed it's that the out. buttons here, which I don't have. Okay. But then there's 33. There's a lot more than five buttons. Right. So I pointed out the fact that the (laughs) buttons had a significance, and he was like, oh, really? I was like, yeah, what are they teaching you in seminary? It's because I know how much Christ was really wounded for our sins that I always think it's more. Six to seven times? Yeah. Well, seven's a perfect number. (laughs) No, y'all did a great job, and it was one of the first times I've ever listened to our podcast, so... (laughs) How'd you, how'd you think he did on the priest's forgiveness question? Can a priest absolve himself? I thought he did well. He had a nice take on it. He yeah. framed it framed it well, made good distinctions. I thought he did good. Yeah. He'll be all right. He'll be all right. With some work, I think he can really get somewhere yeah. in this diocese. I guess, I guess I'm primed to go on vacation again pretty soon. And then you can give him another pass. Right. I would say I'm primed for another child, but hopefully not anytime soon. No, not in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. Well, I did not speak into the mic. No, you didn't. That. Well, I, I want to talk about something a little bit heavier today. Good. Okay. And I have a little bit more, I think, of the substance or take on it and would like your opinion on some mm. things. Yeah. But... I know this is something we often deal with in youth ministry and you deal with a lot, which is dealing with people in crisis. Yeah. Dealing with people who have gone through hard things in their life, um, tough experiences, uh, grief, loss, 
pain, suffering, all of it. Um, yeah. This topic came up because October 15th was um, the National Infant Loss Miscarriage Remembrance right. Day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had a mass here yeah. uh, in commemoration. Yes. And, you know, on that day, I see so many people post on social media accounts, different things like that, all the losses they've had that a lot of times people don't know about with miscarriages or um, losses in pregnancy and, and throughout that. And, as you all know, who have listened to this podcast, part of my story is that me and my wife, we had a daughter who passed away from an undiagnosed heart condition, 16 days old. And I think one of the most valuable things I learned from that time, and it often people say, oh, it must be easy for you because you speak about it and you talk about it and you talk about her and you talk about your family. No, not a day goes by that no. it's easy. <laughs> not a day goes by that it's not um challenging but i really do believe that god put nikki and i here to speak into that challenge because there are people that never get out of the despair Mm -hmm. from loss from grief grief from crisis all of that and so i wanted to speak to a few things that have stuck out to me over time and i want to hear your opinion on it as well of how to care for people in time of crisis how to care for people. How do you feel about that? I like it. It's a good topic. Yeah. Well, so I'll start off. I remember uh, right after Kiara passed away, one of the biggest things anybody did for me in that time was just their ministry of presence. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I want to encourage in time of crisis, pain, loss, suffering, grief, what, and this could apply to anything, loss of uh, you know uh, somebody passing away, loss of life, loss of job, I mean, whatever, pandemic, any of those things that we're Mm -hmm. going through is the ministry of presence that someone took their time to actually come and see us and visit us and talk with us and see how we're doing. I think nowadays the temptation is that in this digital age, it's just as easy to shoot a text message off and say, Mm -hmm. how are you doing? But they actually wanted to just be with us. And there wasn't a lot I wanted to say. There wasn't a lot I wanted to talk about. They couldn't say anything to make it better. But just their presence there was a blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Yeah, actually, what's your experience of that? Well, uh, a couple things. So, like, first, I forget the exact wording of it, but it's one of the... Um, guess it would be a a spiritual work of mercy is i think it's consoling the grieving or consoling the sorrow sorrowing Mm -hmm. something like that um but doing just what you said like being there for somebody um we we learned a lot about this kind of stuff in seminary but i've i've honestly only had maybe a year and a half now at at this parish of direct experience with it and so it's still pretty limited, and I feel like I'm still trying to figure out a lot of things. Yeah. Um, they did make it very clear every time this came up uh, to tell us, like, you know, you're going to want to give advice to people or to say, like, or to start comparing it with your own situation. And they said, that's not helpful. Just be there for them, which is a hard thing. The times I've tried to do that, like, I do want to fix things. Yeah. And I do think that, like, 
oh, I've got this situation in my life that if I share that, maybe it'll make somebody. And it, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't land well for the person who's grieving. Right. Uh, when you do that, because you're, you end up making it about yourself. Right. Um, one of the examples I've seen, um, I don't want to give away the details, but basically I know somebody who fairly recently like drove a, a decent distance to go and be with someone uh, who they know they knew was struggling, not grieving in particular mm-hmm. uh, from a particular crisis, but just like down. Yeah. And I think you have to know somebody well to be able to do that. Just right. drop in on them. Cause that, <laughs> that could, you know, not end well, but um, this person really like just took charge of the situation when they got there. Just like, Hey, I brought food. Hey, I brought this. We're going to go and do this thing. And they were able to to, to help this person um, sort of in a limited capacity. Yeah. But like, it was just a really good, I know I'm being vague about it, but no. it was just a really good example of like what that ministry of presence can look like. It doesn't mean only going to just sit with somebody. Right. Like you can go and bring them food or go and say, we're going to go to the store. Right. Because you need groceries. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Right. Um, and that kind of thing, I think, can really help uh, like get people out of a, a momentary or a prolonged um, uh, state of depression. It can at least help. Yeah. Um, I remember one of my friends that uh, lived in Coppell, so it wasn't like he was driving far distance, but would text me and be like, hey, are you up for a visit? Um, can I come, you know? hang out with you, talk, chat, watch the game, whatever. Just spend time. Little did I know until later on. Every time he sent that text, he was like right down the street because he wanted to be ready yeah. to like jump in, right. be right there. And so one of the first things I just say is be present in whatever way. You know, the second big thing, and I jotted down four or five things, and like I said, we can we can bounce off and share different mm-hmm. um ideas and you mentioned one about meals but the second and you've mentioned but i want to reiterate resist the urge to say something profound Mm -hmm. the amount of times (laughs) that people were well-intentioned but want to be like well you got an angel now well you have such strong faith stronger than me that's why god chose you or like things that you wonder I don't really think you know how that sounds. Mm-hmm. We want to say something. We want to say the most profound thing that will get them out of this rut, out of this thing. And it, it doesn't exist. It does not exist. It's not going to happen. And I think the people that I respected the most during that time that we were going through said, I don't know what you're going through. I've never experienced that loss. I'm here for you. I love you. I care about you. Mm-hmm. You know, I I just, I think especially as Americans, we are terrible at this one. And I never thought about this until we experienced loss ourselves, Nikki and I, because I was one of those as a minister. I'm like, I'm going to say something to this kid to change their life. You know, they're going through this grief, this mm-hmm. thing. I wonder, I, I don't know, how is it for you as a priest? And I mean, you, you talk with, people during a lot of highs oh, yeah. and lows and things. Oh yeah. And I have been thrown into some like 
some very, very dark lows for people, like mm-hmm. acute moments of crisis. Right. Um, but more often, it's it's kind of a a gradual thing. And the so the weird thing is they come to me for advice, but you you also have to kind of read between the lines. Like often they're coming because no one else will listen, and they just need to be heard, and then directed towards Christ, um, in some kind of generic way, right? Where it's not you know. This is something that that they also taught us in seminary and made very clear, but I've experienced from almost day one here. Like, I am not a licensed counselor. I do not know what I'm doing on that psychological level outside of just common sense and intuition and whatever the truths of the faith provide to that. Like, I can give, uh, I guess, more developed spiritual counsel, um, but you're normally working through like a very human issue to even get to that point. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's a lot of listening, but just to, to comment a little bit on, um, on just this phenomenon of like wanting to fix it or wanting to give, give, say something profound is the way you said it. Um, like if you look at the book of Job, that's what Job's friends are doing. Like they're there. It's ministry of presence. He's sitting on the ash heap, scraping himself with the pot shirt, mm-hmm. just having a terrible time. And they show up like they're good friends. And then there's, you know, this threefold cycle of speeches where they are trying to just explain it. Um, you must have done something wrong. Uh, we know that God is just or like they're saying they're saying kind of true things. Right. The book of Job's a little different because he actually is innocent. Um, and so it's more like on the inscrutability of suffering, uh, than it is on like suffering as a direct punishment for sinfulness. Right. But we know that, you know, our sinfulness does bring about suffering too. So it's not against that message. Anyway, point is like, they're all trying to explain it and it's not helpful. And God even says so at the end, he's like, he's like, y'all, <laughs> you need to ask Job to go pray for you. <laughs> Because you were not correctly representing me. And that's just, I don't think many people sit down and like slog through the book of Job. It is very repetitive once it gets into the speeches. But we had to, the first time I read it was when I was at UD as a lay student. We had to read it for our Litrad 3 class. And like to just sit down, it may take you a couple days or something, unless you just have a, a few hours to read directly but to sit down and read through that um not all of it will make sense but there's not really a better commentary out there on suffering and the problem of evil and our relationship with god and all of it right um and we had a a tremendous class when i was further along in seminary um on the wisdom literature Hmm. um and our teacher really went uh, explain the book of Job like I'd never never heard it before um, and it made a big impact on all of us but in particular I have a friend who was going through a lot right then who was in that class and like it made a tremendous impact on him so that's I don't know maybe that's required reading for all of us whether we're <laughs> whether we're in in a situation of 
crisis or depression or suffering somehow ourselves right now, or just for the sake of trying to prepare for how we can help people um, right. when those situations arise. Yeah, I remember Nikki and I, it, very surreal looking back, having to pick out the headstone, you know, to your child. And I remember us going back and forth saying, what do we want on this? And it's interesting you bring up Job because we put a verse from Job on her on her headstone, which was Job one twenty one. you give, you take away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And we really, you know, thought about that and tried to let that be our prayer to say, we know everything we get is God's, you know, everything he, he gives us. And so, but blessed be the name of the Lord that no matter what we go through, we can always speak the praises of God's name on our lips. And so, yeah, I think with that, it's resist that urge to say the thing that you think is going to be so profound to change somebody's life, you know, um, it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And most likely, if you're Catholic as well, it's going to be bad theology. How many people said to me, well, you got an angel now. I'm like, well, no, theologically, angels were all the angels ever were already created. You don't want to go into that. I was just more annoyed by it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, but like, <laughs> and I I have not been in that position um, that you're describing. I've I've gone through certain types of suffering in my life, but not yeah, like that. Yeah, and we all have, and I don't want yeah, somebody yeah. No, to no, be no, like, no, sure. well, I've never gone through. We all have something. Yeah, we're not playing that game right yeah. now. But um, Sorry, thought, thought just left me. <laughs> no problem. You want me to go? Yeah. Okay. What was I going to say? I don't know. When okay. you get yeah, it, you can come okay. back to it. But two other things I have that really stuck out to me when I was thinking about this topic. And you also hit on another one when you talked about bringing a meal, which is see what the needs are of the person in crisis and help fulfill them. People rallied around us knowing as a youth minister, I make a ton of money, I know, but they knew that. That's a joke right there. Um, you couldn't hear my my <laughs> smirk. That's right. <laughs> they knew a funeral would be expensive, you know, mm-hmm. all these expenses that come with that, medical costs that came with, you know, everything. I mean, our community group rallied around us and started a GoFundMe. People started a meal calendar. Um, people started a prayer chain and those spiritual prayer bouquets of giving up acts of, you know, worship for us. Mm-hmm. They found the need, whatever it was, and identified that. You know, I had people willing who, you know, we had to, I had to deal with insurance places and I had to deal with, okay, well, we just got her birth certificate and then you have to, you know, death certificate. Like, I had people who didn't just say, oh, hey, whatever you need. Because that's nice. Yeah, but not helpful. But actually people were like, let me do this for you. And who did it? And whatever, you may have a specialty. One friend comes to mind. I don't think he necessarily listens to the podcast, so I'm going to mention it. But I remember there was a whole discrepancy from the GoFundMe with our taxes when we Mm. filed them. Because... 
the tax taxes, the IRS wanted to say, oh, we had this extra income. And it was like, no, this was a donation from a GoFundMe. Here's my daughter passed away, all this. I was so overwhelmed with it. I was like, right. I'm going to owe these taxes. What am I going to do? I don't have the money for the taxes. Mm-hmm. This was just to help pay for this tragedy. And he's like, let me write something. Let me deal with it. Let me do it. Mm-hmm. And he did. We all have different skill sets that we can help in certain aspects. It might be that you enjoy things like that. Like, let me talk to the insurance company for you. <laughs> let me fight that battle for mm-hmm. you. Let me bring a meal. <clears throat> let me organize that. Identify what the need is in somebody going through a crisis and actually go fill that need. Mm-hmm. Any reflections on that point? I mean, not really actually <laughs> like like that's what I was getting at with the with the story of uh, my friend who went and did that like like identifying a need and then actually going and doing it as so much more useful than like whatever I can do to help um I did think of the thing that I forgot though go for it um which is like we do have a a need to grieve and I think the awkwardness of grief end of suffering can cause people to want to be able to fix it to get rid of the awkwardness and like it's actually unhelpful in that way and i think that's why when someone's grieving and even if the thing is correct that that they're being told and isn't bad theology that it it's just kind of irritating right because it's yeah. <laughs> like just <laughs> Give me time to to grieve this. I need to. Um, that's something I, I try and say at funerals a lot. Uh, is that on a human level, we need this. Um, I don't think Americans in general, culturally, grieve communally um, very well. Yeah, I've seen it in in Israel, for instance. Like there, there is sort of customs which are almost laws built in to assist everyone and to kind of protect the grieving process so like you have to grieve for a certain amount of days and you sit in your your house and do pretty much nothing but grieve for those days and people are kind of required to come and visit you You, but not for too long and it's kind of awesome like we don't have anything like that that i know of right culturally even no um and so we feel awkward about it because we don't know what to do um Yeah, you brought up that point. We researched a lot, or I did, at least, after on cultural, um, how cultures handle grieving. And that whole point, I mean, similar in Africa, they'll spend like mm. six days in a row of having the having people out and near the body and different things to just go through that grief. And here in America, I can't tell you the amount of people that were just like, well... God will give you more. He'll take care of you. You, you know, yeah. and it goes to Trying all to these skip things. to skip to the end. Yeah. And it's like, yes, I know it's, I, I trust in our Lord. Thank God I do because I would be in a gutter somewhere and be terribly yeah. off. I trust <clears> in God. <throat> but just sit with me in this. Mm-hmm. Just sit with me in this. Um, and there's tons more things I could uh, emphasize. One other last one, though, is pray and follow up. So many people didn't, just say, hey, I'm praying for you, but they took the time to right then and there pray with me. Mm. And the second is follow up. 
in the same sense of grief, the hardest time, a counselor told us um, afterwards, because Nikki and I went to marriage counseling because we were, you know, we saw the statistics about, you know, you experience the loss of a child, your divorce rate goes up, all these things. You can play the blame game. We're like, we're going to make sure our marriage is strong, tight. We want to see a counselor. Counselor actually said, I want you to wait to come see me because really you're so busy these first months after dealing with a loss, a tragedy, whatever, PTSD, that it's not until really month six through nine that it all really hits you. Mm-hmm. And by that time, most of the support is gone. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say follow up. It's not that week, that next few days, those next few weeks, they're going to be bombarded with people reaching out. How are you doing? How are you doing? But then it's the six months, nine months, year later, second year, third year, you know, to remind people, how are you doing now? You know? So I say, pray with them in the moment and then say, so yeah, go. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me ask you a question. Oh, for once. Um, because I think, I think a hesitation from a lot of people on following up in that way is not wanting to reopen an old wound that seems like it's healed. Right. Right. And so for, you know, for you as a father who lost your, your baby when she was 16 years old, 16 days old, Mm -hmm. like for somebody to, to be like, Hey man, I know it's been a long time since we talked just to say, shoot you an email or give you a phone call. Yeah. Hey, I know it's been a long time, but I was thinking of you the other day and I just, just wanted to check in. Like, how are you doing? Um, since that point. Yeah. And that might even be awkward like me and like not want to name it exactly. Right. right? Yeah. Um, like, is that, is that helpful? The kind of follow up you're talking about? A hundred percent. And so this fear of like, it is all not wanting it, to yeah. touch the thing that might hurt. I don't know where that came from, but mm-hmm. thank you for pointing it out. I don't know. I think it's from the enemy to say, to not put us back in that relationship and say, it's better unspoken. Just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I don't want to say I know my true friends. This sounds really harsh, but the friends that reach out to me on Kiara's you know, anniversary of her death or her birthday or moments like that, I know our friendship goes deep because... They're reaching out to me on a day that's hard, and that is not reopening a wound. They're not saying, hey, mm-hmm. tell me everything that happened or this. But that check-in, I mean, it gets you through some of the hardest times in your life. Mm-hmm. you know. And so, yes, I think that is a huge – I love that you made that point. I think it is a huge lie that our culture is set to say, just don't poke the bear. You're going to wake it up, you know? Right. No. I don't know, speak the unspoken, ask it mm-hmm. because I believe a lot of those people are still struggling and want to talk about it and mm-hmm. respect if they're like, yeah, I am doing okay. Or I'm okay. You know, I don't want to talk. Yeah. If they obviously, you know, don't want to go into it. But most of the time they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> most of the time they do. So, you know, those are just some things I was reflecting upon. Uh, like I said, I, I saw the thing about, national, you know, infant loss and and pregnancy loss. And I just wanted to bring that up because I feel like what we pointed out today as Americans, 
we're terrible at grief and we're terrible at supporting people through this. And so I don't know any final thoughts on it. It's the feast day of St. Paul of the cross, just to date mm. when we're recording this. Yeah. Um, and he was completely dedicated to the passion of the Lord um, and saw it as the salvific path for us. Mm. Um, which means that our path to salvation is in, in a real way, a path of pain. And I think that we're afraid of pain, um, of causing pain to ourselves and especially of causing any pain to others. And I think that's, that's a significant component of a lot of these, these items that we've talked about, like do's and don'ts is not wanting to cause pain to others, um, by misstepping. And so actually not like taking a step that we should take in charity, right. Uh, to help people. So St. Paul of the cross, pray for us, pray for us, intercede for us that we might have a deep and authentic love of the cross and the saving passion of Christ. So let's do this. Anything, um, we normally do our closing, uh, you know, statements, but I'm, I'm interested in, yeah, I know. Uh, (laughs) I'm interested. What's one, let's switch it up a little bit. What's one book you would recommend to somebody going through suffering or crisis or that? There is a book, uh, it's specifically about depression, but it's a book called the Catholic guide to depression. Hmm. And, uh, it's co-authored by somebody and uh, Monsignor John Syak, and he taught me while I was in seminary, and his course was fantastic. Mm. Um, and so he provided like the theological content for the book, and it's I've just skimmed it. I haven't honestly, I haven't gone deep into it, but I know people who have read it and it's helped them. Yeah. And in skimming it, I was like, this is a good resource. Yeah. I also like for myself um, something I read. Uh, making sense, making sense out of suffering by Dr. Peter Crift. Oh, okay, yeah, he's um, good at that. Uh, yeah, just explains it and walks through it with people instead of, um, yeah, just that big question: Why do we suffer? Why do we have to suffer? So, I guess the close. What are you thinking? We'll, we'll skip the watch. We'll combine the watching and the reading into that. And what are you thinking? That maybe I should read Making Sense Out of Suffering to help me deal with the way the Cowboys are playing right now. <laughs> like, it is atrocious. That was rough last night. Yeah. I mean, so we bad. record this on Tuesday. That's why I say last night. Yeah. Monday night game, Zeke, two fumbles. I didn't watch much of the game, but the play where I turned it on was like, I don't know, it was like first and 10. It was like the beginning of the drive after a kickoff reception and I, I think it was a play action. Kyler Murray throws it like 60 yards down the field for a touchdown. Oh my gosh. Uh, to go up 14, nothing at that point. Um, disgraceful, disgraceful. And it's not like I could even talk any better <laughs> because we're still winning <laughs> NFC East. Uh, Isn't that crazy? Like two, two and four. Two, I don't, is I think two we're and two four? and four. It must be. And y'all are like one, four, and one. Yeah, something. <laughs> and what does that make us a half game out or yeah. something? <laughs> NFC least. NFC least. Oh my gosh. What are, <laughs> what are you thinking? Yeah, well, now that you say that, now I'm thinking all of that. Now um <laughs> Um What am I thinking about? Uh yeah, I'm thinking that 
for anybody that is suffering in any of these ways um, or has gone through some type of loss, you're not alone. And the church is here for you and we're here for you. And um, yeah, if you need somebody to talk to, reach out, please. Yeah, please. Yeah, so I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. All right, man. All right. It's a good thought. Left the volume a little high there. Boom. There you go. Strong. So, hey, make sure to reach out to us, Prodigal and the Priest at gmail.com with any questions and stanamparish.org slash PTP. Take care. God bless.